Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijhay Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد. So the name of Allah subhanahu wa taala that we're going to talk about today, our God Allah has in one hadith in one narration our Prophet told us that He has ninety nine names, and so each week we've been taking one name and trying to reflect on that name. Today we're going to talk about. His name, An-Nur. An-Nur. And you could translate that as the light. The light. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about what that means and what we're trying to talk about when we say Allah. God's name is the light. First, let's just talk about light and darkness. Um... From the very early times, people like, as early as Plato, Plato in his dialogues, he talks about light, light as knowledge, and darkness as ignorance. You know, you know in English we say, yeah, I'm in the dark about that. What does that mean? I'm in the dark meaning, I don't know, right? We use the term enlightened. There's a period that's termed in the Enlightenment, which is a very loaded term, and it's been very uh, strategically coined, Enlightenment. And then they talk about, before that, they talk about the Dark Ages. Very fascinating, remember, like, words are not neutral. Uh, they have connotations, and, and we need to be aware of that. So, the Enlightenment, the idea that like, how many of you would like to be enlightened? I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to be like, in the dark. We'd all like to be enlightened. Because we, we understand that to mean to be in the know. See, that's the thing. If you're in a dark room, what's the problem? The lights are totally off. What's the main issue? What's the hardest thing? You can't see. Okay, but why do you want to see things? Okay, if you're walking, you're going to trip. But let's say you're sitting down, because you're like, yeah, I'm not going to trip. So I'm just going to sit down. Fear. Fear. Yes. How many people are scared of the dark? Okay, no one's going to admit it here. No, not me, man. But we're all those people who run up the stairs kind of like a monster's chasing us. We're one of those people. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's a common thing for people to be afraid of the dark. Have you noticed that? You don't really have to teach children. You don't teach them that to be afraid of the dark. Why are children just naturally scared of the dark? What is it about the dark that scares us? The dark represents the unknown. Beautiful. Absolutely. And that's exactly the point. The unknown. Darkness is ignorance. So you're sitting there, you're surrounded by darkness because there's no lights on. You don't know. You know, someone said you trip. But if you're sitting there, you're not moving... The problem is still, you don't know what's around you. 
So you don't know if something's coming to attack you. You don't know if this is a place you should still be sitting or you should be trying to run away from. <coughs> Do you get it? Do you get the point I'm trying to make here? Darkness, the absence of light. How many of you have read Plato's Allegory of the Cave? The Allegory of the Cave? No? Really? Heard of it. Okay. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, and that whole idea of people, people staring at the shadows on the wall. See, that's an interesting thing that we can talk about. Light, you know, light signifies clarity. Now you know things. Everything is defined when you have light. As you talked about, in the darkness, it's all unknown. If you end up in a place, you have no idea where you are, and it's dark. Completely pitch black dark. You could be anywhere. You could be in a closet. You could be in the middle of a desert. The possibilities, the potential for where you are is endless. The moment the light comes on, all the, light, all the possibilities vanish, and now you know exactly where you are, or at least you have an idea, am I in a big space or am I in some tight, confined space? Right? Everything becomes defined, because now you can see what things are. That's what knowledge is supposed to be. Knowledge is meant to tell you the way things are, from their source. See, Plato, and, and since the thing about light is, the moment you cast a light, sorry, the moment you light something, you light a candle, you cast a shadow. The moment you light a candle, you cast a shadow, which means with every light comes darkness. With every light will come darkness. And do we have photographers here? We got a few. Okay, we got one. MashaAllah, we got two back there. And here on the side? Yeah? MashaAllah, okay. Lighting. It's all about shadows. It's all about understanding angles. You use light to create shadows. Isn't that interesting? Because when you know something, you also know what it's not. When you know something, you also know what it's not. When you learn the truth, you don't just learn the truth, but you also learn what is false. Because whatever is not truth is false. Do you get it? And so, Plato in the allegory of the cave, I thought a lot of you would have, would have read that, so I wasn't going to talk about it. But essentially, you got people sitting in a cave. We'll put the Islamic twist on it here, right here. Right? So, there's a group, the idea is you've got a group of people sitting in a cave, and they're chained up, and they're staring at the wall of the cave. So they have their back to the mouth of the cave. And all they can see are shadows moving around. Because there's a light behind them that's, you know, cast upon them. They can't face the light because they're forced by the chains to face the wall. So they're seeing the shadows. And they think that that's all there is. Because that's all they know. So they think that the world is the shadows. One of them escapes and gets out of the chains and is able to actually exit the cave and see the sun and goes, no, the shadows, that's not the actual objects. The actual objects exist behind us and it's the sun and the rays from the sun that are causing the shadows 
And so you see these ob what appears to be objects on the wall of the cave. They're not actually the objects. The objects are behind us. But these people in the cave go, what are you talking about, man? You're talking about the sun, you're talking about objects. What's all that nonsense, man? Bro, we got these shadows in front of us and that's it. That's all there is. The shadows are this world. It's this dunya. We think that this is everything. The Quran tells us this is all a deception. This is all a deception. We act sometimes like we'll live forever. We act like we have it all figured out. We act like we don't need God. Right? Because we're enlightened people. You know, the University of Waterloo, in the, in the spirit of why not? That's what you see right there. In the spirit of why not? Meaning, why not? We can know everything. Right. Tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, the world is an illusion. And that's how a lot of scholars talked about it. It's a deception. It, 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 it appears to be all there is. You know, I was talking to my son today. It was very interesting. And I said to him, where, uh, how did we come up with this idea? Oh, we were playing. Me and my daughter were playing. And we were playing with dinosaurs. And so she knocked over my dinosaur and said, the dinosaur died. I said, oh, where does the dinosaur go? She's like, he's dead. She's like three, so she, she, that's all she's like, she's dead. And so my son was sitting over there. And he also is like, yeah, he's, he, the dinosaur's dead now. I was like, where do dinosaurs go when they die? And he's just like thinking like, dinosaurs aren't real right now. Like, you know, they're not. So I said, okay, what about human beings? He goes, they go to the graveyard. Because I took him to the graveyard. I took my kids. No, I didn't traumatize them. No, I don't believe it's trauma, especially when they're a bit older. Right? You don't have to like show them the funeral, right? But you can show them like this, this is where people end up. And... Uh, and I said, okay, fine, so what do we do with them? We put them in the ground, we dig a hole, we put them in the ground, we leave them there, then what? And he goes to me, then they go to Allah. Then they go to Allah. I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, and that's it, that's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. It makes perfect sense to him. And he's like seven years old, right? Um, and that's something we'll talk about a bit later. But the idea of light and darkness... Sometimes the world, we think it's all shadows, and we think we got it all figured out. How many of us, and I talk about this all the time, all the time. You must have heard me say this like 10 times by now. How many of us growing up, at certain points in our lives, grade 9, grade 10, we thought we had it all figured out? Right? We didn't want to listen to nobody. And we got to grade 11, grade 12, and we go, yo, what's wrong with these grade 9ers? Like, yo, chill. And then you get to university. I tell her sometimes. Sometimes I drive by the high school. And I'm going to say, Ya Allah, please tell me I didn't look like this when I was in high school, yo. But I know I did. But I know I did. They think it's cool to like run in front of cars, crossing in front of Benny's. You know, like, you're driving, and they're like running across, like, oh, we're cool. I'm like, dude. You know what I mean? Like, but but we, we did the same thing. You know, like, at GCI, people thought it was cool to hang out on Dando. Like, dude, it wasn't cool. But we thought about, now you look back and you go, really? Like, really? That's what you thought was cool? You understand? People thought it was cool to rob Dollarama down the street. Yeah, you know the one down the street from, from GCI? People used to always, people still rob it? I don't know, man. Back when I was there, people used to rob it all the time, yeah. 
Don't, don't, brother, it's, it's haram to expose your sins, brother. I'm just talking about <laughs> Okay, it's not about you. We just got to make sure. He dumped the box in his loose pants. He sold it. <laughs> he sold it. Oh man, these kids are hustlers. Right? Man, how much money did you make? Like 50 bucks? You know, like how much money did you make, man? Now you make it in one shift. In like four hours uh, in the shift at McDonald's now. But at that time, but at that time, people think it's cool. Like that's who humans are, right? We think we got it all figured out until we move on a few years and we look back and go, yeah, no, we didn't have it figured out, you know? And it keeps happening, by the way. Don't think you're ever at the point. When, when, you know, when I, was, when I had my kids first, I thought I had it all figured out, theoretically, you know? Like I read some books about parenting. Oh, snap. And then parenting teaches you itself, man. There's no book that's gonna teach you how to get up in the middle of the night when your child's crying and you just want to sleep because you got, you got to get up at 6 a.m. next morning, but you got to wake up. There's, just, there's a different education that your children will teach you. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Trying to int- you know, it's, it's so interesting trying to explain things to your kids that we take for granted. But there was a time where I didn't know those things. And I really wonder, like I forgot about even a time where I didn't know that. Today I was talking to my son about orphans. How do you explain to a child what orphans are? Because he came across it in a book. We're reading a book and he came across orphans. And he's like, what's an orphan? So I had to explain to him what orphans are. So you try to explain to him that, you know, there's no mother or father. And that's like a foreign concept to him. Like, what do you mean? Like, where are they? And I'm like, they're either gone or they're dead. And then he's just kind of like thinking about it. And I just talked and I had to like make it make sense. So I was like... So imagine, like, who takes care of you? And he's like, yeah, mommy and daddy. And I said, what, happened if you, what, what would happen if you wake up in the morning and there's no mommy and daddy? I know you guys think, like, man, you have some heavy conversations with your kids. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's not, this is not an everyday thing, okay? Like, before you think, like, holy. No, it's not an everyday thing. But, like, no, but, like, I'm trying to explain to him, right? Like, because the story is trying to talk about, like, having mercy on orphans and but you gotta feel pity to have mercy and he doesn't know what an orphan is so I need to make him feel some pity that's why I'm doing it guys like chill so I explained to him like what if you woke up and you didn't have us and he was like where would you be I said what if we're not here we're, we're gone we're dead he's like oh so I said I said what would you do like who would you go give a hug to he's like nobody I said who would take care of you and he said wallah he says Allah. I, I, wallahi, I thought he was going to say, I thought he going to say, like, my, my parents, or my brother, or someone. And he just goes, Allah. I said, yo. You know what I mean? Like, I said, just leave that that. But like, I was trying to figure out, how did I learn about orphans? I don't remember learning about orphans. Do you remember? When's the first time you learned about orphans? I don't remember. So I'm trying to figure out, how do I explain to him in the same way that I learned? I just don't even remember how I learned it. There's a lot of things we learned that we, we don't even remember how, what it was like to not know those things. So, we don't often remember being in darkness, so it's hard to appreciate light. You get it? And that's why people who actually struggle to find God, 
they can appreciate all the more. They can appreciate it all the more. Because they remember the days of darkness. And that's why you should not forget your days of ignorance. I mean, every day is a day of ignorance. But like, you know, a time where you were like, just completely gone, like lost. You should not forget those days. Some people think like, don't remember, don't talk about those days. There's, there's actually a hadith where Sahaba would sit and talk about that. They would speak about what was called Ayyamul Jahiliyyah. The days, it's described as the days of ignorance. And all of us have days of ignorance. Maybe a time where we didn't pray, where we didn't care about religion, where we didn't take it seriously. We thought it was just this old school thing that these old people do. Until life hit us hard and we realized, man, there's more to life than this. And so, really, um, and we'll talk about, I'll talk about it a bit later on. Um, the idea of light with every light coming, darkness. But let's talk about Allah Ta'ala being An-Nur. His name being An-Nur. The scholars, they explain, there's multiple interpretations of what this means. You could take it literally, but then it's hard to explain what that means. Allah is the light. All the scholars will agree we're not talking about like created light. You know the light that we see around us? All this light from the sun, from the moon, or we see from uh, light bulbs or candles or fire, um, all of that is created. When we say Allah is the light, He is a nur, we accept we're not referring to these, this created light. That's if you take that word literally. However, a great number of scholars interpret this to mean Allah is Al-Nur, meaning Al-Munawwir. He is the one who illuminates. See, that's the interesting thing about light. Light itself is bright, but it illuminates for others as well. Al-Imam Al-Ghazali, he describes, he defines, and he says light, one of the attributes of light is, it, it, it itself is apparent, but it also makes other things apparent. Do you get it? Like you can see light because it's apparent, but then light also shows you other things. So it's al-zahir and al-mudhir. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, He's the light in the sense that He illuminates everything. What does that mean? Allah in the Quran, He says, Allahu nurus samawati wal ard. Allah, God is the the light, the illuminator of the heavens and the earth. What does that mean? You know, for, religion should not be this esoteric thing that people talk about theoretically and it just kind of floats over our head and yeah, oh yeah. And nobody gets what it's talking about. A lot of us, we learned religion like that. We grew up and we learned all these words of religion never understanding what, what it really means. And that's why if religion then isn't relevant to you, it's not meaningful to you, I totally feel you, man. Because that's how I learned religion growing up. It was just a bunch of words. You can't ask questions about what does that mean? God is the, light, he's the light of the heavens and the earth. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. Just, 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 you need to know that. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help your faith. Allah is the one who illuminates the heavens and the earth. He tells us, and He's, he's the one who shows it all to us. He's the one who has this whole system in place. We check the weather, but we don't check if the sun's coming up tomorrow. Do you understand? Allah runs this whole system. 
And that's why when there's a problem in the system, nobody can do anything. And so all we can say is humans need to evacuate. Stand up and fight, yo. Ain't no fight. You can't win that battle. You got to evacuate. That's how it is. You understand? We can fight other human beings, maybe. But when the systems rebel under God's command, then human beings all admit it. Everyone evacuate. Let's send in aid. And that's what humans do. That's the best we can do. Allah runs the system. And He illuminates the system. And He illuminates everything within the system. How does He do that? By sending down revelation. The purpose of revelation is to tell us what things actually are. To tell us what life actually is. It's a question that puzzles people all the time. What's life? What's the purpose of life? You understand? You want to scare somebody away over a coffee? That's what you ask them. What's the purpose of life? And suddenly they got an appointment in 10 minutes. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Because it's such a fundamental question. But we all want to avoid it. And we want to act like it's too difficult to talk about. And mashallah, if you avoid talking about it, somehow that's, somehow that's going to give you peace and contentment. No. Some of us, think about it, man. You think you can ignore that question? It's always going to nag you at the back of your mind. Listen, somebody anonymously tags you on Instagram in a post. You can't sleep till you find out who tagged you. That question of who was it bothers you. You don't think the question of why in the world am I here is not going to bother you? And yet it's one of those questions that people don't want to have a conversation about. As though, you know, ignorance is bliss. Let's, let's not even investigate it. You understand? And we need to ask those questions. We need to dig deep. So Allah revealed to us the Qur'an and sent to us a prophet. And the beautiful thing is that both have been described as nur. The Prophet ﷺ has been described as nur in the Qur'an. He himself has been described as the illuminator. Again, what does that mean? People can take it literally like, you know, to like bring a light. But it's, it's, it's more the meaning of to cast a light upon reality, to tell you what things are. And that's why the companions, when they would be asked obvious questions, they would say, Allah knows best and the Prophet knows best. There's one hadith where the Prophet asked them, what's the date today? And they said, Allah knows best and the Prophet knows best. Like, dude, we're asking about the date. It's kind of objective here. It's not subjective and the different opinions. The date's the date, right? And it was the day of Arafah. It was like a very, very famous day. But they said, Allah and His Messenger know best. Meaning what? Allah and His Messenger will tell us not how things merely apparently are, but they'll tell us how things actually are. You know how many times we do things in life? Because we think it makes sense that this is the right thing for me. And later on, like I have people come to me after and say, Shaykh, man, I, I know why Allah made that haram, man. I know why Allah made that haram. They thought they figured it out, like they knew what was best for them. Until they went through it, came out broken hearted and said, Man, he was right. God was right. That, that was not the right thing. That's not the right way to go about it. Do you understand? Are you all listening here? Do you guys get where I'm coming from with this? It's hard, man. 
Because it seems apparent to us, right? It's, it's all shadows. We think we got all, this is all shadows. Like, I, of course, this is all there is to it. And the Quran tells us, no, that's not. That's not the truth. The Prophet ﷺ told us, give charity and your charity, your, your, your wealth won't decrease. Excuse me? I give charity and my wealth doesn't decrease. We could talk a lot about what that means. But you see how the hadith apparently contradicts what we see in front of us. If I got a hundred bucks and I gave five bucks in charity, I think it decreased, yeah. I ain't good at math, but I think it decreased. Any math majors here? Can help me out with that? I think it decreased. The hadith says no. ما نقصت صدقة من مال أو كما قال Your charity does not decrease your wealth. What does that mean? Clearly the words of the Prophet ﷺ are speaking beyond the apparent. Beyond the apparent. And see, that's the whole idea. Is when you face the wall and you're staring at the shadows, who can tell you what the shadows actually are? The one who left the cave and had access to the source. Who can tell you what's going to happen after you die and before you die? The one who has a connection, the one who is in conversation with the one who gives life and who gives death. That's what messengers are. Messengers are those who go. They receive revelation from God, the source of all knowledge, the source of life and death, the source of all reality. And they come to us and say, what you see is not what it seems to be. But no, O Prophet, we know better. Because come on, look at the shadows. Do you see it? That's what we're all doing right now. Come on, look at the shadows, O Prophet. And the Prophet's telling you, trust me, I've... That's what the people told him in his time. He's telling, he's telling them, I have been informed directly by God. Do you understand my point I'm trying to make here? We have limited knowledge. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this verse called, it's called Ayatul Nur, the verse of light. It's, it's one of the most famous verses amongst Muslims. Allahu Nuru Samawati Wal Ard. Some scholars have mentioned this verse in the Quran is the most commentated upon. The most tafsir of any verse has been done of this verse. Allahu Nuru Samawati Wal Ard. Allah is the light or the illuminator of the heavens and the earth. And subhanAllah, look how Allah describes this. He then goes on to say, مَثَلُ نُورِهِ كَمِشْكَاتٍ فِيهَا مِسْبَاحَ الْمِسْبَاحُ فِي زُجَاجَةٍ الزُجَاجَةُ كَأَنَّهَا كَوْكَبٌ دُرِّيٌّ يُوقَدُ مِنْ شَجَرَةٍ مُبَارَكَةٍ زَيْتُونَةٍ لَا شَرْقِيَةٍ وَلَا غَرْبِيَةٍ يَكَادُ زَيْتُهَا يُضِيءُ وَلَوْ لَمْ تَمْسَسْهُ النَّارٌ One of the opinions that I'll share, there's many opinions about what this verse means because there's so much commentary. But I'm going to share, you with, share with you one that Ubay ibn Ka'ab, the great companion, this was his opinion. Okay, he explains it as nurihi, the example of his light. Whose light? Ubay ibn Ka'ab said the example of the light of a believer. The light of a believer. Kamishkatan. It's like a niche. You guys know like a niche? You know in the wall? 
I mean, we don't do it anymore. I mean, I guess you would do it some like bougie places. You ever been to like a bougie restaurant? Yeah, my man's a construction dude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the wall back in the days. Yeah, they still do that. Yeah. I trust you, man. I'm sure you do it. Not they. You do it probably, man. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, what I'm saying. You build like the bougie stuff, right? So that's what I'm saying. So and, you know, it's it's in the wall. Now it's a curve in the wall. And the idea is that if you put a light in it, the curve, the curvature of the wall will expand the light rays out. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the wall's shape allows for the, right, the light rays to go out even further. Now, now, now they just put soap on it. They put soap on it? Back in the day was for a different reason. Oh, right, right, right. It's for light. And now people do that just to like hold your shampoo bottles and, and soap. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, so, that's what Allah says. He says, so you have a niche. And inside of the niche, what do you have? Fiha misbah. You have a lamp. And that lamp, let's assume it to be like, a, like an old school lamp. You know what I mean? Like a, like a lantern. Al-misbah fi zujaja. That lamp is covered by glass. Inside of that lamp, you have oil, olive oil, that's neither east nor west. Okay, what's it talking about? We'll talk a little bit about that. Allah then says, that oil is so pure, It's as though this light can give, this oil can give off light, even without being lit by a fire. But what happens if you do light a fire to that oil? You have nurun ala nur. You have light upon light. What does all that mean, man? What does all that mean? See, again, it's that thing of religious rhetoric, religious discourse being all esoteric and it just floats over your head. You're like, what are you talking about, man? Lamps and niches and glass and oil. Like, yo, just turn on the light. That's how we do it nowadays. Right? But that's not the point. The point is, the, there's, there's, there's an analogy here. The niche represents the chest of the believer. And within the chest, you have a lamp, which is the heart. Do you understand? And the glass around the lamp in the verse refers to the purity of everybody's heart. Within the heart, within the lamp, there's oil. Every one of us is born with a natural inclination towards goodness. Muslims, we believe Allah creates human beings with a natural inclination to goodness. Some people might call that a conscience today. You know, this, you, know you find people, like when you're trying to convince somebody who's just like terrible, example, they've done terrible things in life. What do you, when you speak to them, what are you trying to appeal to them? The little good in them, right? When you try to get to them, you try to speak to the little good in them. Everything else you talk about, what happens? Like, nah, man, screw it. I don't care. Life, that's, that's how it is. Right? They just don't care about anything. It's like life sucks and there's no meaning to life. And... But you talk about like something. Hey, man, how do you kill that person while you look in their eyes? And they're like, like you got to them. The little humanity they had left. The little goodness inside of them. Allah created everybody 
with that innate goodness and inclination to goodness. We know this as the fitrah. That's the oil. And that oil, when a human being is created, is so pure. That's why we love kids. That's why we love kids. Some of you, you send me kid videos all the time. You know who you are. Yeah, they send me little kid videos on, from Instagram. Like, yo, check out. I'm like, dude, I, I see three kids every day, man. You don't need to send me any more kids. Trust me, man. Right? No, I, I get it. It's cute. Right? But you only see the cute side. I don't want to send you videos of what happens in the middle of the night when they're screaming their head off because they want chicken nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, everybody has that oil in, the, in their heart, that purity. Okay, what does it take for that light, for that oil to now be lit on fire? What's the flame the ayah is talking about? That's the flame of revelation. Allah sends down revelation. When revelation hits the heart of a human being, it doesn't have to be just a believer. If it hits the heart of a human being, the teachings of God, the truth, it hits the, the heart of a human being, provided the heart is pure and humble to the truth, it'll light that oil on fire. And then what happens to people? People themselves are guided and they become, the source, they become a source of guidance for others. Because light is apparent in and of itself, but it, it makes other things apparent as well. That's what the believer is. Nurun ala nur. Light upon light. You have light in your own life. You become a better person. If religion is not making you a better person, you're doing it wrong. If religion is not making you a better person, you're doing it wrong. If people use religion to manipulate people, and there's a lot of people who do that, they use religion to manip manipulate others, that's not true religion. That's not true religion. Religion is transformative. Ask people who've accepted the religion, whether they were born Muslims or not. A lot of us who are born Muslims, we still have to accept Islam. And you might say, like, what do you mean? I'm, my parents are Muslim, you know, I fast. No, no, no. You gotta accept it from the depths of your heart that this is the truth that I'm gonna live by. Because I genuinely believe my goodness, my salvation live, lies in it. I'm serious about that, by the way. Like I said this last time on Wednesday, what, a lot of the things that apply to converts today apply to us who are born here as well. Young Muslims growing up. The same stuff applies. We're not any more enlightened than them, I'm telling you right now. We have to go through the same journey. We might just have the added benefit of always, you know, kind of fitting in at the masjid and stuff. But otherwise, a lot of the learning that they do, we got to do it too. Okay. Who was the greatest source of guidance? Was the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Because he had the purest of hearts. And he had everything of revelation come to him. You want to become a source of goodness for people around you? You want to become a source of goodness for the people around you? What does it take? How much money does it take? People talk about leaving the world a better place. How would you do that? If you ask me, the greatest contribution anybody can make is to become a better human being. A more ethical, a more moral human being. What system do we have in place today to build moral and ethical people? Tell me. If your child is running rogue, what do you do with them? 
Which system do we have in place where we can send them that they can become better moral and ethical people? Where? Tell me. Isn't it crazy that in a society like this we don't have something like that? If you want to become a better person, where do you go? Google. Sorry? Google. You Google it, man. And then the algorithm. Yeah, then the algorithm gives you what it's been fed. Do you understand? I mean, people fight for that top spot on the Google searches, right? No, I'm serious about this. The greatest thing you can do, wallahi, in terms of leaving an impact in the world, is to improve yourself as a human being. Because you could earn a lot of money. You could earn a lot of money. But of what benefit if you neglect your kids? If you abuse your spouse? Of what benefit? If you cheat on your spouse, of what benefit is all of that? You could have seven companies. Of what benefit is it? But imagine you're somebody who, no matter where you go, you're a source of goodness for people. Don't you, wouldn't you truly make the world a better place? Even if it's just for a handful of people. A lot of us, we have this grand idea of doing all these great, great things. It's like, yo, if you can just become a better human being, that everybody you deal with will be happy to be around you, will want to be like you, will want to be with you, will find comfort in your, your company. You get it, like, that's, what, that's at the core of it. And if you don't have that, but you might have everything else, it's nothing, it means nothing. You could be the most powerful man in Hollywood, where people have to go through you to get roles. I mean, th that's the society we live in. Such people are honored and respected, and people mention them in their, you know, academy reception speeches. I gotta thank so and so for what they did. That's the society we live in. The first thing we ask people is, hey, what do you do? Who cares? What if they're a terrible human being? Does any of what they do make up for them being a terrible human being? Imagine you met that man, and you said, what do you do? And he said, yo, I'm the biggest guy in Hollywood. And people are like, impressed. Until someone says, me too. And others say, me too. And then the man is torn down and everybody's like, wow, we glorified this guy? We glorified this man? And we continue the system of doing that though. We glorify people for their achievements, even if it comes at the cost of neglecting other human beings and abusing other human beings. That has to become the criteria by which we judge each other. Are you a good human being? That's why here, I say it all the time, in this space right here, it doesn't matter what your degree is, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're no, you're no special than anybody else here, with all due respect. Your degree makes you no special, no more special than someone else. Your job makes you no more special than someone else. Here, it's all about being a good human being. Wanting good for other people. That's what we're trying to do here. And if you're here to do something else, then that's your problem, man. The believer... Revelation makes them a better person. They themselves become better and they become a source of good for others. The Prophet ﷺ in, our, in the Muslim view was the greatest human being because he lived the most ethical life and everybody around him, he uplifted their life. He uplifted them in their life. No matter what their situation was. We need more of that, man. I've said this to you guys before. How many of you have educated friends? People who like have masters or PhDs. And almost everyone says, well, I know somebody like that. And then I ask, 
Are they the best person you know? And you may probably, oftentimes we're like, no. Who's the best person you know? Think about it, who's the best person you know? How many of you, when I ask you who's the best person you know, you thought of some old man, some old woman, who every time you meet them, they smile at you and they're missing a few teeth, but they smile at you with so much love. And they give you a big hug when you see them. Maybe it's a relative. Many of them are probably not even educated. The way we're educated, we're enlightened, yo. We got those degrees on the wall, but those degrees made us no better of a human being. It just taught us how to party. That's what it did. It taught us how to like scam courses, you know what I mean? Like find the bird courses and just like, you know, UW flow and like course hero. And yeah, that's what it taught us. We're ethical people. I have people ask me, you know, when I was doing chaplaincy, I'd have people ask me, Sheikh, uh, everybody's, they got the, what's it called again? Test bank. Test bank. Is it okay to use a test bank? I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. Someone else got it. They just forwarded it to me. Yeah, mashallah, the education system makes you a better human being. Really? Really? May Allah give us hidayah, may Allah help us understand what it means to be a better human being. Yeah, the, the, the Prophet ﷺ is described as sirajan, he's described as a lamp, muniran, a lamp that illuminates others and other things that reveals the truth to us. Now here's the question. How much light do you have in your life? And how much darkness do you have in your life? How much? You know what the beauty of light is? If you have a light, a room full of light, and there's like a corner of the room that's dark, does that corner of darkness put out all the light? But if you have a room full of darkness and you put a light in the corner, what is that one light? What's, what's the potential of that one light? To enlighten everything. Now seriously, light is far more powerful than darkness. Far more powerful. It really is. Darkness, the Quran describes darkness is. Allahu amanu. Allah is the friend and the guardian of those who believe. He takes them out from darknesses. Because there's so much of darkness in the world. There's so much deception in the world. There's so many different wrong paths you could go down. There's only one path of light. That's the way of the Prophet ﷺ, the way that God revealed. Do you understand the point I'm trying to make here? يُخْرِجُهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ Now, let's talk a little bit about and then I'll, I'll finish with this, inshallah, because I've been going on for a while. Um, but it's a really important topic. I've talked about it before. It's the idea that every, you know, when you have a light, that light will come with shadows. Do you understand? So you got light there, you got light here, and there's an object, there's going to be shadows. When you have light in your life, what are the shadows? What shadows do you have? Every one of us has shadows, by the way. Every one of us has parts of us that we've never explored and challenged. That's an interesting insight of Jung. Jung talks about this. The idea of shadows. Shadow work. 
which is a very shallow understanding of the nafs, but it is some talk about it within the psychology scope. What's the point I'm trying to make here? When you challenge yourself, you often come face to face with the parts of you that are in the darkness. Why is it so hard to learn something new? Why is it so hard to find the light? Because you first have to admit you're in darkness. And many of us don't want to admit that. Do you understand? So what do we do? It's like wearing dark clothes. You know, so, you know people say, uh, dark clothes don't become dirty as quick. It's like, no, they do. They become dirty just as quick as white clothes. You just don't see it. It's not like the darkness prevents the dirtiness. It just hides the dirtiness. Us being in the dark, being in, in ignorance, we can just hide everything we don't know. Because we don't expose ourselves to the light. And it's painful to turn to the light. And it, it, maybe it's painful for us to admit that our whole lives we were staring at the shadows. And to say, wow, was I deceived all this time? Was I fed a lie all this time? To turn away and say, no, but I'm going to turn to the truth. I'm going to turn to the light. The thing about light is, once you have it, it makes everything apparent. You're no longer living a lie. And you can tell what everything is. It's very peaceful to know what happens after death. It's very troubling to not know what comes after death. As for revelation, as difficult as it is to swallow sometimes, it does give you peace. People, under, people struggle with this, right? Because they say, man, the truth can be bitter. But it's like medicine. Medicine can be bitter, but it ultimately makes you better. The truth can be bitter, but ultimately it'll make you a better person. And ultimately it'll put you at peace. Because you finally have answers to those questions. That's what revelation is all about. That's what this deen is all about. So may Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to really step out of the darkness and into the light. Inshallah, I'll talk about that topic of every one of us having our own darkness and really dealing with that in another time. Because um, it's an important topic. It really is. A lot of us know that we're in darkness in certain aspects. Right? There's parts of us that we've just never... It's really hard to admit our flaws, isn't it? To, come, like, to just sit down and say, I'm lying to myself. Look, if other people lie to you, you know, you could be excused because maybe you trusted them. But yo, don't be somebody who lies to themselves. Don't do that. Like, other people might not want good for you and maybe that's why they're lying to you. Dude, if anybody wants good for you, it's you. Don't lie to yourself. When there's something of truth in front of you, admit the darkness be willing to accept the light. You understand? Really, it takes courage. It takes courage to face the darkness. Because why? Back to the beginning what we talked about. When you turn to face the darkness, what happens? You don't know what's going to happen. That's the problem. You ever had a friend who's fake? And you knew they were fake? But you never had the courage to face that? Because you're like, man, if I lose this friend, who do I have? And you worry about, what if I don't find a better friend? What if I'm just like the loner? You get what I'm saying? So you just fit in wherever you can. But we're living a lie then. 
But how many of us have turned on that friend and under, accepted your fake? And I, you know what? We can't keep going like this. And Allah gifted you with a better friend. Someone who's real like you. Do you understand? When you leave something for Allah, Allah gives it back to you far better. Far better. May Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to understand this, to really realize the darkness in our lives or the darknesses in our lives. And may He give us the courage to face the truth, to face the light. To stop staring at the shadows and turn towards the source of the light, An-Nur. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. وَلِكُلِّ وِجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّئِهَا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يَأْتِ بِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ